All right. Well, uh, what else do you want to talk about? Amazon. The IKEA TV. We brought that up last week. Larry. Larry, answer your damn answer your damn Skype and tell me about the IKEA TV. That's not. <laughs> the f- is that noise? <laughs> This thing's going crazy. Who's okay. Larry? Your wife <laughs> is, is Skyping you. Larry, listen. Your wife now is Skyping stopped. you. That was not me. You your guys. wife is Skyping you. Let me tell you, you what. Let me just tell you what happened. My wife kicked me out of the bed on line one. I walked into the other room, lost the audio. Had to. It wouldn't come back. It was lying to me. It said it wasn't muted. I couldn't hear you guys, but I could see your pretty faces. And then I, uh, so I just had to leave the hangout and come back. And here I am. Larry, what do you guys, been, Larry, what do you guys Larry, been talking about? Larry, that bit about the wife kicking you out of the bedroom, that happens to me a lot, too. <laughs> well. And, but that's a different story. And, Between the wife and the grandchildren, I'm going to have to go out in the backyard in a minute. This is yeah. why you'll never get married, Aunt. <laughs> oh, man. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 6 of YATS. It's yet another tech show.com, our weekly random rambling tech discussion show, if you will. I'm Matt Lee. With me tonight, we got Ant Pruitt. What's up, man? What's going on, Matt? We got Larry Press. Howdy, sir. Evening, gentlemen. We got Mike Rothman. Welcome back, Mike. Hey, you guys. I missed you last week. Glad to be back. I know it. Very cool. And this is a special episode of Yats because this is the very first time we're testing out kind of a, a piece-together way to stream a, a Google Hangout involving multiple cameras and monitors and cameras facing monitors. But if you want to join the uh, little experiment, it's over at yetanothertechshow.com slash live. So I know if you're listening to this in the podcast, you can do that next week. But... Uh, we got an IRC room over on Freenode, if you're familiar with IRC. It's irc.freenode.net, and uh, the channel is yet another tech show. So join us. We're going to do this weekly live, I think. should be fun once people get the, the hang of what time we do this and all that. Usually around 8 Pacific, 10 Eastern. Did I get, get that? 9 my time? Usually. So, uh, let's, 11 Eastern. 11 Eastern. Let's start things off with a quick recap mike you were in the midst of looking for a, a good phone is that why you missed last week you were just so enthralled in the new device you got <laughs> i was hunting for the phone last week uh, i wish it, i wish it were that i wish it were that fun no but i have made progress i've narrowed my search down you know i'm the guy who who needs to get his next phone on at&t but it looks like I've got some great Android choices. AT&T is just about to make available two new Android phones. So I'm looking for your advice tonight, guys. The first one is uh, 
the uh, HTC One X that's coming out uh, May 6th. And my AT&T store actually is taking pre-orders and has a, a unit out on display already. So this is the phone that's just been raved about on The Verge and is getting really positive reviews elsewhere. Four-inch screen, LTE, ice cream sandwich, nice styling. Uh, the, the Verge says the camera is really excellent. I don't know what else I would want in a in a in a phone but samsung is also about yeah. to launch its galaxy galaxy s3 uh, so the the word being carried over on uh a new domain.net i think this is a story written by crit is it chris chase i think that's his name uh is uh, that uh, the s3 is going to be available on may 3rd so it a very similar specs so it comes down to do i go with this samsung gallery uh, galaxy line or the htc one line and i'm looking for opinions tonight guys well i'll tell you this we we talked about this the one x was the phone of the moment on attack of the androids a couple weeks ago seth herringer was really into this device um now we have some some actual solid specs out on it i know I've heard rumors that the S3 or the next Galaxy is going to be rocking that quad-cores uh, Exynos chip, but then I've also heard that it's not. So I would almost wait until you have more solid uh, specifications on what this new Galaxy device is going to be. I mean, you can you can probably bet that whatever it is, it's going to be a little bit better than the One X just because it hasn't been announced yet. That's that's kind of the rule yeah. of thumb that the the most recently announced device is going to be the fastest usually, especially if it's a flagship phone like the Galaxy yeah. line has been for Samsung. It's it's been huge. And I also want to That's wanna, the game a leapfrog. Yeah, exactly. And that, and it, it what it comes down to is your contract. Is what I think. And for most people, for the everyday person that isn't just going to blow money on every device out there, like you're going to buy based on what's coming out at the time your contract is up so and you also you might want to think about they just google the play store is dropping a, a the galaxy nexus unlocked no carrier attachment it has to be a i know a gsm uh carrier but it's not subsidized or anything and it's like right around 400 dollars, which is a hundred dollars more than we paid for it when it first came out on verizon via subsidy that's an incredible deal the three or the two for four hundred dollars, the Galaxy Nexus. Wow, for four hundred dollars, which to me we d we talked about if you were going to get a device that wasn't subsidized, that was untied to carrier, that would be a good device to have in your back pocket just in case, you know, as a backup or anything. It's just a good a stepping stone of of a quad core processor, a gig of RAM. If you purchase this and invested in it, it's going to last you a while because of where the specs are. I love the fact that it's unlocked, and I love the fact that it's the it's the unvarnished uh, Android experience. Right, it's pure Google. Pure Google. The I One hate, X I does hate. have uh, updated Sense UI, which uh, Android community had a good video on. It's not as bad as the older versions were, but it's still it's not pure Android. But some of it, yeah. you know, you might like. It, it's all up to what you came from previous and what you want out of it now. 
Now, the other phone that I saw this weekend that I think is actually pretty interesting is the uh, is the Note. That looks oh, like a pretty I sweet device. It. I kind of want love one. love the Note. <laughs> I, I kind of want one, not going to lie. Kind of want one. I'm, I'm really wishing that the rumors of, of the Note coming to Verizon were true because, man, I would jump on that in a minute. I mean, y'all have seen these before. Oh, your hands are either magicians or big enough for a fake tablet. So bring it on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. How about your How about your pockets, though, man? Oh yeah, no problem. No problem with the pockets either. You know the knock. The knock on the note, though, is that it's running gingerbread, and I really want to. I really want to get an ice cream sandwich phone. If if I'm going to get get into Android, I want the latest Android. But won't won't they have an upgrade for it? Yeah, I'm sure they will. But well, see, in that case, so Mike, you will be the whole one percent of people running ice cream sandwich. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <You> know? <laughs> that's that's crazy. Well, it's it's fun looking at this. The common thread among all those phones is that they all support LTE, which is the coming service yeah. 4G service in our area. And I, I'm really attracted. I know it's going to drain the batteries, but I'm really attracted to it. Well, you know the whole battery battery drain stuff. That is true. But how many of us don't own a car charger? Exactly. You know, you you people that that live by their phones, and I I don't mean that in a disparaging way, but people that get constant emails from from work and so forth. You know that. They need their battery to be charged up. You know what, Ant? The only reason the Galaxy Nexus works for me is because I live in my truck and it's constantly on the car charger. Like, for real. Yeah. If if yeah. I When I travel, like, on the weekends and I'm not in my truck all the time, the thing dies in, like, four hours. You know, it's ridiculous. Yeah. But it, it depends on your use case. And I just... um. There's an article on Android Community about Samsung releasing its ice cream sandwich upgrade plans, and it looks like the S2, the S2 Skyrocket, the Galaxy Note, the Glide, the Nexus S, and the LTE version of the Galaxy Tab 8.9 uh, will all get it uh, eventually. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> eventually. There, there's no date here, but uh, they say uh-huh. <clears throat> um, eventually. Sometime during this decade, they will get it. Sometime, and you can't even say before Jelly Bean comes out, because some of those phones will absolutely not have it before 5 comes out. <laughs> and that's just, I mean, that you kind of deal with that, I guess. I mean, you it's yeah. based on your contract. Whenever you can get out of one and, and upgrade, you know, that's you see what's out at that time. But you know, Mike, I still believe it's going to boil down to how does it feel in your hands? You know, you're going to yeah. have that phone in your hands and look at that UI because the Sense UI versus, I don't know if they call it the TouchWiz UI or not now. On Samsung? It used to be. Yeah. Yeah, Samsung TouchWiz, right? Sense yeah, UI is HTC. Those two UIs are totally different experiences. And. But usually what it has to do with is how the phone – they're trying to the, – this is the whole reason is so that the, the manufacturers can differentiate a little bit. And the majority of what I've noticed the changes on using Moto Blur's touch with Sense 
it all seems to really focus on the personal part of the phone, how your contacts are handled, how your yeah. widgets are displayed, how you're like, it's really, it's weird how they did that. Like there's, I, you can find big chunks of, of Android that are untouched across the board, Motorola, Sam, like there's, but then there's parts of it that all of them mess with in their own weird way. And it, it really, true. like Ant said, it, it comes down to, how you like it. And like, I, I was used to a certain one. So when I got a new one, I was like, Ooh, I don't like this, but you know, it, it's all what you come from. You know, so or you can be like myself and Matt, you know, as soon as you get it, go ahead and root it and ROM it and you'll be happy for sure. Yeah. Or that, yeah. but who knows? He may be used to like a UI and then he gets plain Android and he's like, this is dumb. I don't like this. Yeah, it, you know, it's so, it, <laughs> this it's is so plain. This is so <laughs> vanilla. You know, I'm not above rooting and roaming and whatever else, but it's it's a it's a it sounds like a lot of work and time investment, and then you know something gets updated and now it's broken, and I'm not sure it's for me. Mm -hmm. It's not for everybody. Those, those battles here and there, you know, and yeah. sometimes it, it it will bite you in the butt. I mentioned you know, this I've on my phone probably three times. I mentioned this on Attack of the Androids, and I'll say it here for everyone listening to Yats. If you're going to root and ROM your phone, do it on a Friday because chances are you will spend the whole weekend either fixing what you've broken or getting it back to the way you liked it. Yeah, so yeah. Just, a little helpful advice. Do it on a, on uh -huh. a Friday. That's a good point, man. I'm, I'm saying point. I did one once on a Thursday. I was up all night most of the next morning. Then I had to go to work, and it was not a fun time. And my phone was still broke, and I was just angry all day, driving around at work, staring at this blank screen. Staring like, at the blank yeah, screen. Yeah, like, wait. Just, just come back to life. Yeah, yeah. Boy, booting it up just to watch the boot loop for another 10 minutes. It's fine. <laughs> But yeah, so, it all it all depends. What did did you get a chance to handle the One X? Did you go fondle it, Mike? Yeah, I, I actually did. I actually fondled the One X, and I have to say, it feels real nice in the hand. It's it's nicely finished. You know, the industrial design is sleek and smooth. It's very thin, lightweight, uh, but it it feels it feels good in the hand. And that's as Ant has been saying. That's an important consideration. Well, it is, and HTC has a very different design uh, for their hardware, for their casing, than Samsung does, which is totally different from Motorola. When I went from my Droid X to the Galaxy Nexus, I kept thinking I was going to break the Nexus because it's so light because it's all plastic. The, the Droid X was solid. You know, it felt solid, and HTC has... Was it's that anodized aluminum unibody casing, I think. So it feels uh -huh. way a little bit heavier and a lot more solid in your hands than compared to a Galaxy Nexus that's all plastic and, you know, glass, which I got the biggest, nastiest scratch in this thing today. Like, it's deep, and I don't know Ooh. where it came from. Like, I didn't drop it. I didn't rub it against it. It's just it appeared, and it's deep. I can feel it with my <laughs> finger. And, man, I stare yeah. at that thing every time it's on now, and it drives me crazy. Yeah. So bring your keys in when you look yeah, at that one. They call that phone in the pocket hey, with hey, the let keys. Let me ask you guys. It's not, though, because I took keys to it. Do you guys have any use for Microsoft? What's Microsoft? Yeah. I, Do you guys have any use for the Microsoft phone? Yeah. Uh, it's this company in Washington that makes a it, phone that looks kind of different than these huh. guys you're talking about. You know, Larry, for, for me, I – seriously considered the uh, Microsoft Phone 7 or now 7.5 but 
here's the here's the deal. They are about to go yet again to a new generation of operating system for their phone, which will be Microsoft yeah. Phone Win or Windows Phone Eight. Eight, yeah. And reportedly, the seven five phones sold today will not be able to upgrade to to even this eight. new Nokia nine hundred. Even the they Nokia just came 900. out with it. You know, I'll tell you the thing that I've noticed about the Nokia 900. There are billboards all over L.A. for it. Somebody's putting some money into it. Microsoft, sure. like like a nine. Right. It's got a nine-digit advertising budget. Billboards, television, many, yeah. web. Like I said, that's that's for you guys over there in in L.A. and Silicon Valley. I can guarantee you, there's nothing over here on the east. Nothing. Really. Really. All I see are yeah, billboards for getting a free Android phone. And it's always it's a picture of the Eris. Like it's such an old billboard. <laughs> Eris was like one point six Android. Oh, it was terrible. I walked I walked into a, a big AT and T store in this uh, San Francisco suburb I live in, Walnut Creek, right. over uh, over the weekend on Sunday, and there were probably eight sales reps on the floor talking to customers. And every one of them had a Microsoft Phone Seven T-shirt on. There you go. Huh. Microsoft. That's my. That's Microsoft money. And I'll bet they're giving the guys a, a bonus when they sell. But one. is it yeah. weird that it's they're called a bump? But listen, is it is weird? <laughs> is it yeah. weird that they're just wearing Microsoft shirts and not using phones? Like, how hard is it to mess up a shirt? Now a phone. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you know, this is Microsoft's version of uh, marketing. But I'll, I'll tell you, Ant, what you will find in your community, I'll bet you, the, the AT&T reps are now getting bonuses every time they sell a Microsoft phone. Yeah, they get a little spiff. Yeah, a little spiff. A little yeah, spiff, so... a little bump, a little... Because you know... This brings me back to the last time we talked about just their marketing. And don't mean to take the reins from you, Matt, but I read yesterday that Verizon was now pushing with um pushing Microsoft to hey let's 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 get in bed together and 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 get Windows Phone 8 at Verizon and Verizon yeah. has the the iPhone they have the the Android ecosystem but now they want this Windows Phone 8 in their in their sales division as well but and now, and uh, is is Verizon did they get their little whatever you want to call it, cleared up from the last time them and Microsoft got into bed together? Because if you recall, the last Windows mobile phone experience was not the best, and I'm willing yeah. a wager that their tech support and customer support people hated supporting it. I used a Windows phone forever, and I hated it. I mean, the what old... You mean the HTC, imagine, the isn't Vogue. that what it was called? Isn't that what it was? The I remember Vogue, that phone. That one right there. <laughs> it's yeah. terrible. But for yeah, what was out ones. at the time, we talked about this last week, it was the best out. I didn't want BlackBerry. Yeah. I wanted this because this had apps and stuff kind of, you know. Windows I was using Mobile 6. Yeah, exactly. But yep. are yeah. they going to want to have another redo of that? If Microsoft pays them, sure. I, they're not going to be held back. They don't that. care. Mike, did, did, did you hear for sure that they won't be able to run uh, Windows 8 on that phone, or you just? Well, what I, what I, I heard that myself. I, I'm sorry, I, you did or didn't? Did I did. I heard it myself. The um, the sales, not the sales guy, but the PR guy 
came back and said, you know what, I, that was my bad. I stated that and it was wrong. Yeah, what I'm quoting is uh, Paul Therott, uh, who's, uh, you know, he does that podcast, Windows Weekly. Yep. So. Uh, and, and he said it'll never run Windows 8. Yeah, it, it, there's, there's not going to be an upgrade. Page. Now, Mike, yeah. are you talking yeah, about the hardware? Will the phone run it? Or are you talking about will Windows 8 run the old apps? Or will will 7 run Windows 8 apps? Are you, You're talking about the actual hardware. Can you upgrade it to Windows 8? Yeah. yeah. Okay. What I, what I understand, and you know, this is, I have to confess, this is all a bit murky, but that uh, the, the phone manufacturers are not going to make Windows 8 available to install on Windows Phone 7 devices. Now, Mike, is it weird that we have Android phones that we can put custom ran uh, Android OSs on? Microsoft, who makes Windows, we put Windows on all sorts of crazy, weird, dumb stuff. Yeah, Yet the Windows phone, you can't do that with. You can't go and format your Windows. You know, it's it's like a completely yeah. different Windows than what we're used to on the, on the computer, which seems and weird it, that they didn't follow that model. Yeah. It, well, I, I, I think... Probably, Matt, it is the uh, phone, uh, it's the phone carriers that are imposing that discipline. And I think probably if you're willing to unlock your Windows Phone 7 and find a copy of Windows Phone 8, it's prob you're probably going to find that it runs on the older hardware. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. So the, so the distinction I'm making is that the carrier is not going to push it out to their older customers. Now, what is the carrier's benefit of doing that yeah. besides the deal with Microsoft? Is it purely the deal? Because they I don't want them to? I think from the carrier's perspective, and I'm speaking of U.S. carriers, the carrier wants to sell you a new phone. He doesn't want to sell you. He doesn't want to make it easy for you to get the latest operating system. He wants you to come in and buy a phone with the new operating system. Well, then, Mike, the carrier should have a six-month contract rather than a two-year contract. And I will buy a new phone every six months. I mean, that's, yeah, you know, yeah. keep up with the tech. Yeah. You know, but that seems so not in Microsoft's. It, um, Microsoft's way behind. If I were Microsoft, I'm not. And Nokia, too. I would say, hey, come on, you guys. We're going to give you an upgrade path, and we're going to sell you the phone for 50 bucks, and on and on. It's on surprising. On. It's surprising they're saying that. Do you still have really? Bill's number, uh, Larry? Can we call him right now? I will yeah. Skype yeah. Bill Gates yeah. in right now. I Give me. I don't think Bill gives a shit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you, know you gotta call. What's his name? Uh, and there goes our G rating. Probably not, though. Gonna guess. Probably not. <laughs> I, 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 I just don't. I just don't think Microsoft has the leverage with the uh, carriers anymore. No. But they got money, man. I mean, they got Bill Gates is no, sitting on drive.google.com right now going, when is my drive going to be ready? <laughs> What's up with that? Well, hey, who's got, who's got Google Drive installed? I'm on it. I do. I'm yeah. on it. What do you think of it? I really like it. Now that I know I can, I'm grandfathered in with my $5 a year for my 25 gigs or my 20 gigs, whatever it is, I'm I'm cool. happy. I'm good. I was worried so, about that, and I was worried they were going to kick us over to the new plan. And they make it they if you read it, if you are lucky like me and have one of those old cheap plans from Google from back in the day, it's an old Picasso plan. Uh, if you read it, any little thing that you do to your account, any changes, any 
uh, if you upgrade your account, if your credit card gets declined, anything like that will immediately kick you off of your plan and onto the new plan. So if your grandfather didn't like me, be really careful that, you know, your credit card is up to date and all that because you don't want to lose five bucks a year for 20 or 25 gigs. I forget what it is. I think it's 20. But as far as I read something today that people are saying, yeah, it's great. It's awesome. It's more space than Dropbox. But if you're not a Google Docs user, it's kind of not pointless, but it's it loses a lot of its importance and its necessity. Personally, I use I li- we live in Google Docs, so I think it's great. But if you're using, I don't know, what else what else do people use out there? Word? People still use <laughs> Word? SkyDrive. Oh, you mean you mean yeah, they For Docs, word it's Excel the, and yeah, Word, yeah. right? Or OpenOffice. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you can still I don't understand that article because you can still take all of your Word docs, throw them in that folder, and it'll put them up there and it'll transcode them into a Google Docs format. They're saying you don't want to shift your whole corporate enterprise from Word onto Google Docs. You mean any Google uh, Microsoft Word things can always be transcoded? I, I don't know leave about it as a. That would really suck because uh, Google Docs is not as rich a thing, and also even worse is PowerPoint. But what are you designing in in a word processor? I feel like people use Microsoft Word for more things that they should probably be using Photoshop or something like that with. They're putting clip art and and making like the pagination changes. You know, I end up doing things. You know, Word documents that need to have a certain page. And the the worst one, or at least last time I tried it, was uh, PowerPoint. I mean, you'd lose. You lose the comments. I mean, PowerPoint really goes to hell. Oh, I'm sure. But I would suggest... From Microsoft to Google, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, I would recommend if you're doing that, export your doc into a PDF. If it, This is only if you have a bunch of extensive formatting and stuff. Get it into a PDF, throw that on Google Docs, and it'll trans or it'll uh, convert the PDF better, yeah. I think, with formatting than yeah. it will the actual uh, Word doc. Man, I think, sure, there's a miscon- I think there's a misconception there because Google Drive and Google Docs are configurable. You can you can instruct them through configuration whether you want to preserve the Microsoft Docs format. Perfect. Yeah, that's or, all I want. Yeah. Or transcode or you know translate to the Google Docs. And I've actually configured my use to preserve the whatever the native format is uh, when it goes to Google Drive. Does it ask Mike. You, it asks you that when you upload a document then, right? Yeah, can yeah, you? Can you, okay. you can set a default that applies to all documents. Gotcha. Right, but can you over can you override it document by document? Yes. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. No, so that's it, all it, it, it really it really is pretty configurable. And Larry, I'm with you. Although there's some really neat things that Google Docs can do, most particularly the multiple uh, collaborative uh, simultaneous oh, editing. Yeah. But yeah. it, no, no, it, there's it, place in the world for Google Docs, but there's place yeah. in the world for Microsoft format, too. Yeah, yeah. If you're creating a, a, a formatted document, you almost certainly want to use the Microsoft formats. Yeah. Or OpenOffice. How about the... Or OpenOffice. How, how about the Microsoft uh, SkyDrive? Any difference between that, one way or the other? I installed both of them, but didn't pay much attention. I haven't looked at them. I just no. Don't they don't they have uh, you know kind of transparent um, intermediate Same copies way. on your own on your own drive? 
Well, there's yeah. offline mode, but I think you have to tell it to do that. Now, with the, with the, the Matt, that's true of SkyDrive, I think, but not of Google Drive. Uh, Google Drive preserves a copy on your hard disk and a copy in the sky. Oh, that's handy. Yeah. Because here so in my settings, it says redundancy. set up yeah. set up docs offline, and it's a beta for view yeah. only. Have you messed with it enough to notice if there's any performance hit? I'll tell you my take. The, the uh, SkyDrive, I find to be a nice interface, but sluggish. Whereas Google Drive is really snappy, quick, and easy to work with. With Google, My experience so far with Google Drive and with Google Docs is it's just like having the document on your local hard disk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, could you be, for example, working on a Word document? And you know how it, you know, just if you're using Word, not even online, it does backups, right? Period. You can, yes. You can, yes. Okay. Autosave. Autosave. Okay. Do those autosaves also just happen and go up to the Google Drive? Yeah. Well, with, with Google, are you asking about MS Docs? Either one. That? Yeah. Like, like, say, I'm working on a PowerPoint presentation. And it does autosave. Is there any kind of automatic? You, uh, yeah, I think you'd find, I haven't tested this, but I think you'd find every time the file is saved locally. Save, then it goes up. Or autosaved locally, it goes up within a second or two to the cloud. Okay, and you don't notice any time hit, any performance no. hit? Dynamite. No. no. Sounds good. I've been looking for something that would make me jump to one product or another. Mm-hmm. The Google Drive intrigues intrigues me because I'm an Android guy. And they have, like Matt says, they have my, my Picasa information and, and and my Gmail and so forth. And it's very intriguing. But then I also have bots.com. And being a Linux user, I have an Ubuntu One account that does the same thing here for my, my local computer. You know, there's there's all types of different backups out there, but finding the one that's most convenient and it has the most features has been is that been not trick. smart though is it almost better to have multiple different sites different off-site accounts just in case well like Steve ideally Gibson would probably say yeah that's a great idea ideally you know, you'd have but... 25 gigs in five different places all with the same stuff that's sinking you know i mean ideally but yeah three two hey, one and there's a great features and comparisons article waiting for you to write for a new domain.net. Oh, I hope Gina didn't hear that. There it is. You, <laughs> you, you could even base it off of the one we talked about on AOTA comparing Dropbox to Drive to SkyDrive. Yeah. You, you, do, a, you do a Google search on uh, um, cloud storage alternatives and you'll find a bunch of them. But I, but I'm serious. I sit and I thought about that, and I'm like, man, my music is in one spot, but Google also has it. And then I can send documents out there, resumes or or what have you, that's not totally sensitive. Google has that. And then, so you do it, a you do a pyramid system. You have Google at the top, or whatever phone it your is based on. Whatever your phone is based on, that's your top tier in the pyramid. And then you go down to your Dropbox or your 
SkyDrive or your box, and then down from there is your web server and your local storage here down from there, and, and that's that's how you keep your data not you know disappearing. You know that you know the critical issue that I've been thinking about is is viability of the provider. Right now, there's a top yeah. tier of providers, which include Google, uh, Apple, Microsoft, and Amazon. All provide cloud services. All right. And you you can pretty well bet that those companies are going to be around next year. Then there's a really interesting tier, second tier of providers: Dropbox, SugarSync. Box or boxy, whatever it's called. All right, Box. Spider Oak. Spider, and and I love the I love what they're doing. They're innovating. Each one of them has an interesting wrinkle or two. But boy, I don't know if they're going to be around next week. Well, what if each of one of those top tiers picks up one of those mid tiers and brings it into what it's offering? Bingo. Then, you, then you've got the best of both worlds. There you go. Sounds like we need to develop our own and sell it to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let you have it for a billion dollars. Cool, man. Did those Instagram guys hit the jackpot or what? That was oh so awesome. Gosh. We were what show was that? I forget. We were recording something. We were measuring things in Instagrams. It was like four point eight billion dollars. <laughs> I was like, that's four point three Instagrams or something. It was so great. <laughs> Their Instagram is the richest, it. most funniest ongoing joke in the tech industry. And they don't even care because they have a billion dollars. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Laugh. That is go ahead. Laugh, laugh as I keep myself warm by the heat of your hundred dollar bills. Exactly. All right. Well, we got, you know, the more we become dependent on these cloud services, the more we're going to need bigger pipes to get our data to and fro. Uh, Mike, you found something interesting about gigabit speed Wi-Fi. Yeah, this is sort of an interesting story. And I I did a little post about this over on uh, groovypost.com. And the story is about an emerging... Uh, new standard for Wi-Fi technology. The standard, you know, we all know about 802.11b and 802.11n, right? Well, this standard is 802.11ac, and it's effectively gigabit Wi-Fi, which means, as a matter of fact, that the uh, your Wi-Fi connection using this standard will be faster than your typical cable internet service delivered to you hardwired at home. 802.11ac is going to be available in retail products like uh, uh, routers uh, starting late this year. And you'll see devices built with 802.11c late this year and really then coming on strong early in 2013. So there's a there's a whole brave new world of faster uh, bandwidth coming with uh, thanks to this new standard. Now, Mike, this is this is a quite a bit larger of a pipe than what most people's internet is. My 54 megabit Wi-Fi is more than enough for my 30 megabit cable. Do you think the more our Wi-Fi evolves and these different uh, protocols or signals come into being, are, is that going to put pressure on the ISPs to up their game as well? Or is this simply intranet speed we're talking? 
boy, I hope it puts I hope it puts upward pressure. I mean, I know my local at home provider is Comcast, and they're capable of providing faster bandwidth. They they just charge you a, a higher service fees. Even my uh, thirty megabit cable, like that's, I, I would be happy with half a half a gigabit, half of this Wi-Fi AC. I'll go in the other room. Like that, that would be fantastic. And you and there what? are most of the ISPs. If you look on speed test and look at you know the nation's results, they're nowhere near half a gigabit. They're nowhere near thirty yeah. megabits. You know, most of them are down there under five to ten to fifteen. Uh, my guess is the first adopters of this new standard are going to be in business settings or research labs. But take a typical business setting. You can now broadcast this Wi-Fi throughout your office location and not have to wire, hardwire um, the, uh, the service around the office. But you know what that does? It, the more you broadcast, the more insecure you become. So now you're broadcasting gigabit and I'm man in the middling on your network. Not, not if I set up a, uh, a, a VPN. Why? <laughs> That's interesting. I know it's it's a complicated world. I I just like this story because I'm a I I like new and shiny and fast. You know, if it's newer, shinier, faster, I'm interested. And it looks cool, like the TrendNet TEW811DR. That thing looks cool. It looks cool. <laughs> it's like it's it's your router with a mohawk. <laughs> like that's how cool it is. <laughs> exactly. You, you've got to see that story if you haven't seen it. It's it's this wild router with multiple antennas. Well, it's got three antennas, I think. You know, I've never really understood why the providers aren't giving us faster speeds because, to my knowledge, the fiber out there can take whatever bandwidth you can throw at. And I blame it on net neutrality. <laughs> and Right, and then you have the wrong people with their hands in, in, their, in the business and we're getting all of these stupid rates that are, you know, next year's rates will be way lower for whatever reason. But check this like, out. This could have been who, the same rates last year. Who is you know? the most, who benefits the most from us having the fastest internet? It's all of our cloud service providers. So what's stopping them from getting together and being like, we're going to get all of this fiber that no one else is using because there is a ton of it there. We're going to give some to James Cameron because he's friends with us. And he's going to tie it to a submarine like we talked about in the last few episodes. And <laughs> we're going to provide our customers, not yours, but ours, with fiber light speed service. Why don't they do that? They have plenty of money, too. If Apple, Fun. Google, if they all got together, not saying that this would ever happen, but hypothetically, like they right. could do it. If anybody in the world could do it, they could be the ones to do it. And it's in their best interest to do it. I agree. Hey, uh, I'm cheering you on, Matt. I want next ads time, at light speed, damn it. Next time Comcast uh, holds an election for their president, I'm voting <laughs> for you. And what is your previous CEO experience? Whale? <laughs> <laughs> I did a podcast or two with Larry Press. Does that count? Yeah, that's got my vote. That's cool. Uh, that sounds good, though. And I mean, this stuff's only going to keep getting faster. I mean, how long? How long? What was the t the span of time between fourteen four 
and you know one megabit like it it took it a minute but once it got up there it it took off once we escaped dial up and hit broadband broadband just took off it was that was it absolutely and i mean that's just the next logical step is you know we went from from dial up copper to to cable and and that and now we'll go to light and and there we go so all right well uh what else you want to talk about Amazon, the IKEA TV. We brought that up last week. Larry, Larry, answer your yeah. damn answer your damn Skype, and tell me about the IKEA TV. That's not. <laughs> the f- is that noise? <laughs> this thing's going crazy. Who's okay. Larry? Your wife is, is Skyping me? you. Larry, listen. Your wife is now Skyping you. That was not me. You your guys. wife is Skyping you. Let me tell you, you what. Let me just tell you what happened. My wife kicked me out of the bed on line one. I walked into the other room, lost the audio. Had to. It wouldn't come back. It was lying to me. It said it wasn't muted. I couldn't hear you guys, but I could see your pretty faces. And <laughs> then I. Uh, so I just had to leave the hangout and come back. And here I am. Larry, what have you guys, Larry, been, Larry, what you guys Larry, been talking about? Larry, that bit about the wife kicking you out of the bedroom, that happens to me a lot, too. <laughs> well. And, but that's a different story. And, Between the wife and the grandchildren, I'm going to have to go out in the backyard in a minute. This is why you'll never get married, Aunt. <laughs> oh, man. Anyhow. <laughs> Have you guys been having a Have you guys been having a good time, Larry? Larry, what kind of posts would you produce with gigabit speed Wi-Fi? Yeah, I heard you guys talking. You know, the thing that constrains me with what I do now with Wi-Fi, the the main demand I have is just for watching TV, and uh, I don't need gigabit for that. But what I do need is. is more sensitive is to be able to be farther away from it. I mean, you know, it steps down. That gigabit steps down as 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 you get further away and as obstructions come up. So I would like the greater distance that I'm sure that it provides. But in order to get the higher speeds, aren't they using a higher frequency, which in turn gives you a a greater distance? No, it's the frequency. My guess is the frequencies. It, it's still the you know it's the same. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, license-free frequency ranges, but what they're doing is is more clever modulation schemes. I believe that they're using instead of two signals, they're using three. Right at five doing gigahertz, a, and just doing a bunch of signal processing magic. Um, so my that's my guess that it's in the modulation, and I would think that at a given speed you're going to get greater distance, and so that to me is a given my house and my wife's crappy iPad. Uh, it doesn't work in parts of the house. The room she just kicked me out of, it doesn't work. Anymore. Can I tell you something? Get get an Android device and get the app of the week from last episode, which was Wi-Fi Analyzer. And I'll tell you what, I gain like 10 megabits from my internet just changing channels. Like I didn't even realize my neighbor had set one up right over at the top of mine. And it's it, it makes a difference. And this, this oh, yeah, app will yeah. tell you, you know, which which frequency range to use. Yeah, um, I forget what, but I've got one of those analyzers going on my laptop. It's good um, stuff. Yeah. Do you see like a big use of this in the universities? I mean, you can the the greater bandwidth you have, the more cool stuff you can do. You know, controlling robots cross country and stuff like that. 
<laughs> hey, there you go. Turning coffee machines on and off. Exactly. You know, the, the thing that's really starting to eat up bandwidth, video, video, video. We're just doing a lot of video, uh, and it's only going to go up. So that's where the bandwidth goes. Our campus has got Wi-Fi every place. It's pretty. That's pretty cool. What's the fact, consensus, I, though? Do the kids always complain, like, God, the Internet here sucks? No, no, they don't. That's you cool. Know, and I... A, a few years ago, I had a, a class, and we did as a class project, we we extended the wireless out to the dorms, and that was really cool, too. Um, though what, you know, when I was just, if they're going to start, you know, I can see the future crashing when they're all starting to look at, w trying to watch video on their iPads and their uh, portable devices. Right now, they're watching a lot of video, but to a great extent, it's on, on Ethernet connection. But what's the bottleneck? Isn't the bottleneck also on the places they're watching the video from? It's not always necessarily your end. You know, if everybody's watching no Netflix, Netflix may not necessarily be able to handle that. Yeah, no, you so. got a point. Video is going to really stress the campus infrastructure. Right. And, and also, we, like everybody else, are starting to move stuff off the campus into the cloud. Right. Um, I think everybody should just do what Opera does and, and use Opera's server to just compress their whatever it is they're doing and then get it sent to them. That Opera does that really well for us. Um, yeah, Google Google is really into to tricks to conserve bandwidth too. That because they make a lot of money. They they I I even posted one of the things on um, on uh, Google Plus. There was an article somewhere I think in Business Week or something. And the Google guys were talking about how much uh, speed or the lack of speed costs them, and especially in in um, mobile things when you know it takes a couple seconds, the guy just clicks away, and that's that's a lost ad. That's true. Yeah, and Isn't they've, that they've got a good handle on that. And speed really is they can they can tell you how much money speed. Uh, you know, they've got to get that well calibrated. Isn't that what Speedy's all about? Making the, everybody's internet faster because the more you use the internet, yeah. the more ads they can serve us. Yep, that's very much that's where they're coming from. All right, Larry, tell me about how AT and T kisses congressional ass and how AEG did the same to your poor little university. Okay, yeah, that's maybe a little too inside my ballpark, but the LA Times had an article, a long article, a couple days ago, and what it was talking about was how. A, or AT&T invite all the state congressmen and, and representatives to go up to this really ritzy golf course at, at Pebble Beach and just have a totally specta spectacular, luxurious weekend, uh, just totally getting wined and dined. And, and plus, they, uh, they raise a lot of money at that event, and they contribute it to the campaigns. I mean, it just makes you kind of realize that uh, democracy may be all over. Because it's not just AT and T that's doing that. You Anyhow, just I, realize huh? that? Like, is this you just coming to this conclusion? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. I'm telling you, AT and T. The LA Times had that article. Right. Okay. And what it reminded me of was what happened at my school. And I did a post. You guys can go check it out. But we had 125 acres of land in LA that is within two miles of three different freeways. Right. I don't know what that would be worth. Uh, AEG, the Andrews Entertainment Group, the guys that do the Staples Center and stuff, um, they made a deal with our university where it cost them to build this whole 125-acre sports complex uh, with a soccer stadium and Olympic training facilities and the Olympic velodrome and blah, 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 blah. 
Uh, it cost him $150,000 million to build it. We gave him the guy named Lynn. The minute they got it built, they sold the naming rights to Home Depot for $70 million. Uh, in other words, we got totally taken to the cleaners. And yep. the thing that reminded me of that was at the time the negotiations were going on, I had a talk with this guy. He was the vice president in charge of administration and finance. And the, uh, I, I got to keep my language clean. But he, had, he was really happy because AEG had taken him and his wife and flown him to Las Vegas for a free weekend to see a free show. I mean, shit, if you're going to get bought off, you might as well get a million dollars, two million dollars, but a trip to Las Vegas, I don't know, it just, it was disgusting. <laughs> oh, that, that is, that is pathetic. I mean, oh not, God. not, not pathetic to the point where, you know, if Google was like, hey, hey, yes, you guys want to, like, take the Google boat out for a spin, maybe, uh... <laughs> Oh, I'm there for that. I know, yeah, there's, there's a line a man has to draw at a, at a uh -huh. time, but. <laughs> but selling out your university, man, that's low. And the thing is, the guy didn't see any. He was so so darn proud that, of this whole thing and so happy and pleased with himself. It's just like, get a grip, buddy. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> that is phenomenally amazing in so many yeah. different levels. Yeah. Go go to go to. My, if you want, go to my Google Plus feed and look at the campus map and look. Yeah, at no, the what, pictures what are they got. I, this will know. definitely be in the show notes, Larry. <laughs> I see you figured out how to post multiple pictures in Google+. That's cool. Oh, yeah. It didn't take uh, – no, you know what? It's not that I – I knew you could, I, you could always post multiple pictures. And I got to admit this. I did a, a post, um, I don't know, about two weeks ago when that new interface came out. And one of the things – I criticized it. One of the things I you criticized – You told it to was, get off your lawn, I, I recall. Yeah. What, when you have two, if you have two pictures or three pictures or whatever, it, instead of resizing them, it just you know crops them and, and crams them all together. And I said, hey, that's really crappy. But the truth is, it looks good. And that post is that's where I really saw it. I mean, they took three pictures, crammed them together, and it still looks cool. And it conveys it more information good. than one. Yeah. So I I went. There were about twenty five, thirty comments on that post, and I went back and made a another comment saying hey i got to admit that was a good idea but, uh, see we're learning crow yeah that was <laughs> by the way that was a pretty good uh comment stream and the basic conclusion we came to is th those guys have a lot of stuff in blogger and blogger has a uh, uh kind of an archival purpose we came up with a lot of good suggestions for google uh for google plus i don't know if anybody's going to ever pay attention to them but uh i got to check that out they should, yeah. I mean, they're really good. It was a good. A guy from Google came on and defended it, and it, it was it was a good. Uh, That's awesome. Stream. Yeah. Uh, now, so you know they were listening to you at least. Yeah. Tell me about uh, the time you got inducted into the Internet Society Hall of Fame. Uh, I hate to tell you, kid, that wasn't me. But oh. the inter you guys know what the Internet Society is? InternetHallOfFame.org. Yeah. yeah. Well, they set up the Internet Society's been around for. Heck, I don't know, 20 years or something. And it's kind of, well, they run .org. That's one of the things they do that you get oh, okay. your, your oh, .org. Oh, wow. Hey, Ant, is this your picture? You're an innovator. Uh, huh? <laughs> I'm what just messing. Hey, right, just, look at, he's right under, just... right under Linus Torvalds and Philip Zimmerman. Oh, you're <laughs> oh, looking no. at, this, at the deal, huh? <laughs> yeah. 
Anyhow, so they, they the the coolest thing they did, we used to when it first started, I was pretty active in it. They they had a magazine that I edited and uh and also they were really involved in developing nations. Like we did uh workshops for five or six years where we would bring in people from developing nations and run a kind of a four track one week workshop for them to help them get the internet boots bootstrapped in their country. Uh and then the Internet Society kind of then they got dot org they to be honest, I don't think they've done much, but now they still exist, and they've kicked off the Internet Hall of Fame, and they just uh, inducted the first round of guys into it. Um, and they're all, they're you know, they are kind of really Hall of Fame uh, good guys. They they had three categories: pioneers, uh, you know, people that sort of did the research and built the net, the early net, the protocols, and then the next one was uh, innovators. Which was people that made cool applications like Linux, Torvalds, and and Tim Berners-Lee, you know, on and on. And then the third one was people that kind of helped to spread it, uh, to kind of spread the word and uh, spread the net around the world. So it's kind of a cool Hall of Fame. I don't know if. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, that's cool. There's a ton of huge names on there. That, I mean, basically, yeah. people that with without we wouldn't have what we have here to totally. to do yeah, what we're doing. Really, with. It's really true. That's really cool. Yeah. All right. Well, you want to talk about this new startup offering university classes that you uh, were were stalking? <laughs> okay, I can talk about that. The um, there. Okay, do you guys remember or did you pay attention? Like Stanford University uh, got a lot of attention about uh, one quarter ago, two quarters ago. They ran three courses online, uh, and one of them had like one hundred fifty thousand people enrolled. Do you guys? Remember that, or did you I, I followed that very closely? Yeah. All right, fifty thousand. You got it, dude. Yeah, that kind of—that's a game changer, huh? <laughs> you t if you think my university got screwed by AEG, <laughs> don't laugh, man. Clemson's next. <laughs> it kind of no, it, it sorts people out, though. Like, if you want the information, you want to teach yourself, you go find it. And if not, well, then have fun flipping burgers at McDonald's. You know, like the information's all there. No, but you know the the truth is that, that thing's going. There, there's universities. Some universities have given credit for completion of that course, even though they're not Stanford. Uh, but anyhow, a couple of spinoffs have come out. Have come up. Uh, one is called Udacity, which um, the guys from Stanford actually have spun off to to do a, a private company doing the same kind of things. And then this uh, Coursera is yet another one. Uh, that's come out of got some guys from Stanford, some guys from Berkeley, but they've got people from I don't know half a dozen universities now, and they're doing the same thing. They ran a, um, I, I, I just kind of audited one of the beta courses. I, I kind of dropped out really after the first week, but um, it was more like standard computer like you know PowerPoint lectures and, and stuff. It wasn't the the same format. But, I mean, it was, you know, regular university credit course being run simultaneously with the on-campus course. And if, if you look at that, uh, that post on, uh, on Google+, Plus, there's, uh, there's a chart. There's, there, been, there are hundreds of new startups, not thousands, but a couple hundred new startups have been funded in this area. So the university education is going to get changed just the way the movie industry and the TV industry and all the other industries are. You know, for better or for worse. Yeah. Larry, I uh, 
signed up for the Udacity course that was uh, CS101, which was... Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, which was basically a six-week course in programming in Python. Python, yeah. And uh, I did... It turns out I did not have the time to commit yeah. to actually following up, and I really regret that. But I think they got like 150,000 registrations or something for that course. Uh, mm -hmm. Anyway, a, a large number. And the phenomenal thing is... It was done with absolutely no fee. Now, I think their model is that they will charge for courses in the future. The problem is who's going to do this kind of free or low cost mass market teaching of subjects like philosophy or history or uh, Me. Uh, French literature? You know, the, the, the great traditional humanities courses that may not be themselves uh, instantly translatable into the next job. But if, if you can get, okay, if you can get a thousand, two thousand, three thousand people in your class, you don't have to charge them very much to justify it. Well, that's true. Yeah. True. true. So you use the So power. there's really no such thing as a full class? Exactly. That's right. It's the long, it's like uh, Amazon books, right? You, but, Aren't the marginal you, cost of a new student is zero. Larry, aren't you on top of that though? You're, are these like these are classes that are normally going on for college tuition paying students at the school, right? They're just on top of that, putting them out there for an online audience, so they're making money. That's, in they, these two that we've been talking about, and yeah, they uh, like the Stanford course and the and the one I uh, the the one at Berkeley. Um, yeah, there's a there's a class taking it. And then there's this whole huge online audience uh, going at the same time. The uh, but that also Ber the Berkeley class had one difference: the the uh, students that were in the class did a term project, which the online people didn't. Right, but that would let you that would enable you to greatly decrease how much you needed, right? Because you're just it's it's really just an extra thing. It's not something like like the normal enrollment that you have to hit a certain amount of of people or whatever. Anything on top oh, yeah. of that is extra, yeah. anyway. You know, it's, yeah, it's and it, no margin. And the the kind of thing that that Mike was saying, like, okay, like on our campus and on all the CSU campuses, there are departments. You know, we we've been having big time budget cuts over the last ever since I've been there, but it's really getting tight. So departments are starting to fold. You know, if you can't have an anthropology department if there's only 17 students in the art. So that kind of thing, the, the CSU system is very much looking to kind of aggregating those kind of things across the whole state. Well, and the cool thing about it is for the, the subjects that aren't constantly being updated, like the older, you know, history, stuff like that, you only have to really record it once. And then you're just constantly serving the same, you know, MP3 or, or MPEG or whatever it is that they're using. So it's you know you can yeah but I mean there's more there there's the internet lets you put on layers of of interaction on top of that though uh, like it instead of just it the idea of recording a, an hour long lecture doesn't work nearly as well as like what these Stanford guys do they talk for a little bit then there's a little quiz talk for a little bit little quiz it's it's like it's broken up into chunks and then the other thing is you can have a whole social thing on top of it. You can you can have online office hours. You can have the students talking to each other, uh, so that it's it's not just taking the lecture, the hour lecture that you used to watch in in uh, you know at, at school and recording it and putting it out. So there is 
you know, that it, it can become more than just that, too. This is the classic technology disruption of, of a business model. And, it, you know, you think out a few years, maybe it means you don't need the, the, the infrastructure of a university is just uh, just there to facilitate a student and a teacher's interaction. And maybe the uh, internet replaces all that. Yeah, it, I, it's in a total state of flux. Don't ask me where it's going to end up, but what Mike says is true. It's really getting disrupted. And at the same time as all this technology and all these new possibilities open up, the, the California budget's going to hell and they're squeezing the universities down to nothing anyhow. That's really too yeah. bad because I bet a lot of those universities could grow some really killer marijuana. And if they medically would, you know, subsidize some of that, there's a lot of money to be made, just saying, in, in credits. Hey, You've got to start an agriculture school. No, I'm no just saying, of... Montana did it, the yeah. California did it. The, I mean, it's it's been done and it's been proven to, if, if they're really like, oh my God, there's no money, like, shut up, there's money. You just, uh, you know, the, there's certain things. <laughs> federal. In their yachts. I'm just you know, Instead of giving that 125 acres to the sports arena, we should have made a marijuana. Larry, do you know how much money I could make with 125 acres? I'm just saying. Oh, I'm just saying. Yeah. And we could Absolutely. have a pod. We'd have room for a podcast studio and my damn apartment. Did you Did you say a podcast studio? A podcast studio and my apartment. Okay, pod let's book podcast it. or podcast? Podcast. Yeah. Podcast. <laughs> I do that there too. The hot doing a podcast. Every, I think we just jumped the shark. It's every Sunday. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh my gosh! Awesome. All right. Well, any other technology we want to discuss before we wrap this up? That's about an hour. About an hour. Cool. I saw your dog walking across the bed too. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's Lucy. Hey, Lucy. Yeah, Lucy says hello. Just getting to know each other every week on yet another tech com. It's it's a beautiful thing. I'll see you guys on my Google Drive <laughs> on on the document. I'm sorry, my five gigs aren't available yet. <laughs> my drive's not ready yet. Me and Bill Gates. What kind of crap is that? Just waiting for our Google Drives. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. We see you uniquely downloading our episodes every week, and uh, thank you for that. Uh, leave us reviews in iTunes if you could be bothered for a quick sec. Those really increase our viewership and, and such. So thank you. Uh, and follow all the social stuff. It's on the site. You'll see it there. Yet another tech show.com. Guys, it's been a blast, and we'll see you online later. All right, guys. Goodbye, all. Hasta See you. Bye-bye. Check us out online at yetanothertechshow.com.